Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Welcome to episode 35. It is the last day of Masturbation Month, the last day of May. And today we're actually going to do something a little different. This isn't going to be an interview or an audio porn episode. It's going to be kind of a an oral history, if you will. People have this perception of me. You know, I have this sex podcast. I write about sex. I talk about sex. There's a lot of sex in my life. A lot of uh, sex that I talk about and engage in and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this leads people to believe... Um, Sometimes that I'm a sex addict or that I'm having sex way more than most people do. And neither of those things are true. Um, And in fact, even more interesting, when it comes to masturbation specifically, I was an extremely late bloomer. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's really, really funny to think about because I started having sex right after I turned 13. And I remember at the time feeling as though I had waited so long to start having sex. And I was really preoccupied with, you know, with having sex with another person and not so much with, you know, pleasuring myself. So I think that had something to do with the fact that it took me a really long time to get to the point where I ever had an orgasm from masturbating. Um, So that's just a little background. The first times that I can recall ever touching myself were, you know, being in my bed, lying down, trying to sleep, putting my hand between my legs and just being comforted by the pressure and the sensation of my hand kind of like cupping my vagina, protecting it, I guess. Um, Then there was another interesting blip on the radar when I was about 12. I used to go to Girl Scout camp all the time. And there was one night where, you know, I mean, at that age... (laughs) girls are well into their puberty journey. And, you know, we all started talking about sex and masturbating. And this is in the dark. We may have had flashlights. I can't remember. We're all in our own cots. And, you know, we started talking about that. And I just shared, you know, this is what I do. I put my hand between my legs and I do this. And I just remember something about that moment and feeling like, I had something of value to share with them that I had uh, a bit more experience or at least I had some sort of practical um, firsthand knowledge that I could share with them and help them, you know, experience this pleasure that I had experienced, even though, you know, I wasn't having an orgasm. I was just, you know, comforting myself, really. So I remember describing how I did it, you know, as kind of I feel like I may have framed it as like, well, this is how you start. And to somebody, to females or people who have, you know, female genitalia, if you have never masturbated, that's how I would recommend you start. Just, you know, applying pressure, just just beginning with the sensation of your own hand between your legs, that feeling of pressure and just, you know, the friction and the heat and just go from there. Um, so yeah, so that was when I was 12. I hadn't had sex yet, obviously. And so once I did have sex, that became way more important. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was way more satisfying. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, sex always sucks in the beginning. And I wasn't coming for a while. Um, but I did. But I don't know. I just I remember getting off a lot from dry humping, um, which, you know, I would do. And then we'd have sex. I don't remember if I was having sex from, orga- uh, from intercourse then or not. I know if I was on top, I'm sure, yes. Uh, anyway, I think it was because of that uncertainty of if I would get off that I probably made sure to get off dry humping and during foreplay. Um, yeah, it was a handy trick. Anyway, um, <laughs> so those teenage years passed and my 20s passed. Um, uneventful in the masturbation department, but full of partner sex. And, you know, I did hit the point where I was having plenty of intercourse-based orgasms, so that was nice. Um, Yeah, so it wasn't until I was in my late 20s, probably 28 or 29, that I first masturbated to orgasm, which, you know, (laughs) I'm even a little ashamed to admit that, that it was so long. But really what it was, it was... I had this big mental block against it. You know, to me, it was not for lack of trying. (laughs) It was not for lack of trying. Um, You know, I'd put my fingers inside myself and rub and poke and prod all the things. And it was just this just painful state of, I I always described it as, you know, like in the Wizard of Oz when they see the wizard behind the curtain and, you know, like the the fantasy, the facade is is just shot, right? Like you you can't believe this notion that there's this magical entity, this floating head with all this power, you know, because you see the reality of it's a little man pulling some levers and making all of this happen and it's a big show. And to me, that's what it felt like to attempt to masturbate without toys, without porn, without another person there. You know, it's like I'm doing all of these things and it was as if I was attempting to, you know, succumb to this, this great pleasure of self, which to me, it wasn't. It was like, I know I'm the one touching myself. And like, there's something about that that was just like flat, right? To me, having, uh, you know, using physical toys and using porn, those allow me to really get in the headspace of imagining um, being touched, which for me, like, that's the pleasure that I enjoy. I mean, yes, like, I'm describing touching myself and bringing pleasure from that, but the reason why that works is because the mental part of it, which is a huge player in all pleasure for anyone, not just myself, you know, it allows me to kind of get over the reality of, you know, this is just me by myself, which is, I don't know if this is making any sense, but I really need to imagine and feel that, you know, something else is happening to me to be touched and to be fucking someone or to be doing something to someone else. Like I, I need that visualization, that, um, that idea to get me going. So yeah, until I discovered toys and porn, you know, nothing was happening down there. But then once I did, well, then it was off to the races. And fun fact, um, (laughs) I only started masturbating to porn kind of as a challenge to myself. I was in this terrible relationship. It was the last guy that I live with. And um, I remember we had met online. And this is part of why I hate online dating as much as I do, is this feeling that 
when you meet somebody in that capacity and that's the only exposure you have to them as a person is, you know, the way that they're presenting themselves to you, you know, via their profile, via how they're acting now that they've met you, you know, having met through this kind of very sterile interface, you know, it's all about what they're willing to show you. It's not at all like dating somebody, you know, you know, like a friend or not even a friend, but just somebody that you encounter in everyday life where you have this opportunity to kind of observe them in the wild and see how they really are and see, you know, the good and the bad about them and be able to accept or deny that, you know, with at least information. You know what? I feel like when you're introduced to somebody via the internet, it takes a really, really long time for those things to come out. It leaves me feeling as though I'm deceived if I don't know these things up front. Anyway, all this is to say that, you know, we were dating for nearly a year, then we decided to move in together. I don't know how many months this was until living together, but the idea of porn had never come up. It had never been shared. And in fact, this was... I feel like the only relationship I've ever had where I was a jealous person. I was a jealous, jealous person. This guy made me so, well, I mean, nobody makes you do anything, but I was so jealous and anxious in this relationship. And also I was always the one, it always, at least this was my feeling and my memory of it. It was that I was always trying to, um, to instigate sex, you know, to be the the one to start it off and to ask why it was just frustrating. It was so frustrating. And being a woman in that situation, it's like that really contributed to me feeling inadequate and just insecure and ugh, generally awful. So when I discovered that he was watching porn and beating off and that this had all been, you know, something that he had kept from me and not spoken with me not been open about, I was fucking livid. I felt like he had been lying to me. I was super pissed. I remember like, you know, demanding that he not watch porn or that if he was going to watch porn, there were only certain types of porn he could watch. It was absurd. And it was more absurd when you consider the fact that the person I had lived with prior to that watched porn all the time. And I knew it. And we'd watch porn together. And it was no big deal. You know, but the difference was in that situation, I knew getting into it. I knew because we were both open with each other. This is what you're into. This is what I'm into. Blah, 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 blah. You know, here I am in this other relationship where this has never been shared with me. This has never been spoken about or discussed or shared in any way. And then I have to discover it myself. Like, there's a big difference in that, which seems so stupid considering the fact the the activity is the same. Like really what difference should it make? But it made a huge difference. But anyway, in an effort to salvage the relationship, um, and probably to continue having sex, um, I decided to try it myself and, you know, put myself in his shoes. So I remember I recorded a little, you know, using the camera on my computer, I recorded myself beating off to watching porn. Um, and I don't even remember what this first thing was, but I do remember I came super fast, probably less than a minute, but we'll be generous and say one minute. 
So I think I did it a couple times and maybe it was like two or three minutes, but whatever it was, you know, I recorded this, I burned the DVD, I like left it on his chair and didn't say anything. And then, you know, and he later told me, well, I watch it and I beat off. I, I expect that's what you wanted me to do. And it just became this thing where I think he, if, I don't know if it was that day or later, but he, he was like, well, I don't, I don't believe <laughs> that you know, you've changed your position on this because I was using that as a demonstration of here, I actually did put myself in your shoes. I tried it. I'm, you know, I understand it's a very, you know, superficial kind of orgasm. It's not threatening. I don't feel like it changes how I feel about you. You know, like I, I understand and I'm okay with it. And he never believed that. Um, yeah, he never believed that. And that was so frustrating. And it, it's something that I think about often when, you know, doing these interviews with people, so many, so many guys, especially that are in relationships with women, um, will talk about, you know, well, I don't think she'll ever change, you know, and they say this regards to, um, sexual appetite and, you know, willingness to do things. And, you know, sometimes these are assumptions that are made without even giving the person the opportunity to do so, you know, like bringing it up to them, letting them know that you would like to do something, you know, instead they just assume that this person won't do it because of whatever prior activity they've, they've observed. Excuse me. And I always think of that as, you know, I did change and I think everybody has the capacity to change and yeah, <laughs> let that be an inspiration to you that if you are with a partner and either they have a problem with something that you're doing, they haven't warmed up to it, or there's something that you want to try and, you know, for whatever reason, they've given you the impression that they would not be into it, or they've stated that they wouldn't be into it. I wouldn't write this person off, like give them the opportunity and the benefit of the doubt and just, you know, the open-mindedness to accept the possibility that they can change and be open to that. You know, I think when you lead with, um, with skepticism, like there's no reason for the person to change in spite of that. You know, it's kind of like, well, if you don't think I can or I will, then fuck you. I won't even try. I mean, I know that's how I would be. So, you know, but if you go into it, like, you know, I believe that it's possible for things to change. They might just fucking change. And then how happy will you both be? Anyway, that's getting a little sidetracked. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was my first masturbation orgasm using the porn. And I used the porn quite a bit after that. And in fact, because the relationship and <laughs> the sex specifically uh, were getting uncomfortable and not great, just devolving with every day, I started using porn um, to get myself in the mood before we'd have sex. I'd like go in the other room and I'd watch a couple minutes of porn and then like go in the bedroom and you know, feel more prepared to have sex because it just was like such, such a struggle to like feel like we were connected. It was, it was rough. It was a doozy. Anyway, we broke up not long after that. Big shocker, I know. Um, yeah, and so after that, when I was living on my own is when I first decided to, uh, to get a vibrator. Um, and I got the classic rabbit. It was the pearl version uh, and I have, you know, I always put links to these things. So these links to all of these things are in the show notes. Um, got it at Babeland. 
And they still sell this model, which I find really funny because it's a, it's the rabbit dildo with the pearls inside or whatever. And then there's a cord at the bottom of it that leads to this handheld separate control, which is almost as big as the dildo with like these sliding, uh, like power controls on it, like how intense the vibration is and the on switch or whatever. But like the motor and the control is in this whole separate handheld thing. Um, it's really cumbersome and just ridiculous when you look at it now. Um, yeah, it's just, I can't believe they're still selling it. <laughs> anyway, I used that for a really long time and, you know, it was effective. And like I said, that and porn both were to, um, counter this behind, you know, I see the man behind the curtain feeling. So moving into my early thirties as I'm living on my own and, uh, <laughs> I have my rabbit, my drinking and drug use were getting pretty intense. I started using porn to like come down at the end of a, you know, night long Coke binge, which was becoming every night at some point. Um, so I was like relying on porn more than I ever had really. And then another thing that I discovered was that, I don't know, I just noticed that I would get really aroused in the middle of the day, especially if I was to take a nap in the middle of the day, like something about the afternoon or kind of like the luxuriousness of laying in bed in the middle of the day, something about it just really turned me on. And there was one Saturday where I was on my couch napping, kind of like in and out of sleep. And I had my rabbit there and I was just using it and coming over and over and over again. And I'm like in a like constant steady, but I mean, it was pretty steady over several hours. Um, I'm going to say I came maybe seven times. Anyway, the little rabbit couldn't keep up <laughs> and it died that day. I burnt the motor right out. I smelled it like that burnt kind of curling iron kind of smell. Anyway, I knew I burnt the motor out and um, yeah. That was the day the rabbit died. So I gave up on it after that. I put it in my nightstand and forgot about it for a long time. Well, not a long time, probably about a year, maybe at most. I don't know. It's all hard to say. But like I said, at this point, you know, I was using porn pretty heavily, so it didn't really matter that, you know, okay, I don't have, I don't have the, the rabbit. Um, but I started dating a guy who owned a magic wand. And I knew about the magic wand, but I did not own a magic wand. And if you don't own a magic wand and you've used other vibrators, it's really hard to imagine what the big difference is. But there is a dramatic difference. Um, for one, the just the surface area of the, the wand top, like that kind of knob, is really big. And it's much more of an effective clit stimulator than almost any other vibrator on the market. And it's intense, very loud. It's corded. It was like, it's a big thing. He was also into um, a lot of bondage stuff. And he had uh, handcuffs and ropes and chains and, and like metal shackles and like uh, metal collars and whole sorts of devices. So he would use it on me while I'd be restrained. You know, can't do anything. He's using it on my clit. But then there was another kind of uh, life-changing moment where we were having anal sex and I I decided to um, put the magic wand on my clit, sandwiched between the bed and me and, you know, the pressure of me laying on top of it, you know, obviously like added to the intensity of it on my clit. And the combination of that while getting fucked in the ass 
was like, holy shit. I remember the orgasm was like the most intense orgasm I ever had in my entire life. It, I was thinking in my head, like my vagina is crying. <laughs> like my vagina is weeping with joy right now. Like that's how good it felt. And I became such a convert <laughs> to anal sex after that. Like, oh my God, this is the key. I finally understand that I remember I'd go to dinner parties and I'd like stand up. I was like so filled with passion about this topic and proselytize like, you know, the 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 ecstasy of anal sex, you know, and how, you know, the combination of like vaginal and clitoral and anal stimulation all at the same time was like, ah. Yeah. Anyway, I started searching for like a three-pronged dildo. I never settled on one because there was really at the time only one model and it was like, what if the angles aren't right? It just seemed like a big investment for something that may or may not work. And seeing as how there were no competitors, it was really hard to believe the reviews. Anyway, that's that's still a dream toy of mine. <laughs> but the point of this is to say I purchased my own magic wand pulled that broken rabbit back out of my nightstand, ripped off <laughs> the motor device, the connector part. So I now had like a rabbit dildo instead of a rabbit vibrator. And, you know, either by sticking the rabbit in my pussy or sticking it in my ass, but using the magic wand in combination, you know, the sensation of having pressure from the inside because of the device and pressure from the outside because of the wand like sandwiched these portions of my interior uh, lady parts to the point where I was having these intense full body orgasms. Now, odds are these are G-spot orgasms. I assume they are. I've come to assume that they are rather. Um, but also, you know, as the years have gone by and there's more research written about female anatomy and female orgasms and the G-spot, there's also this idea of the A-spot, which is kind of the opposite interior wall like, I think the wall closest to the anus. And so it could possibly be that. I'm not really sure. Because there is a different sensation from, you know, using the wand on my clit and putting a dildo in my ass versus putting a dildo in my vagina and the wand on my clit. Like, they're both very intense full body orgasms. I'm leaning towards their G-spot orgasms. But there is something different about the anal part. And... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's just, it has more to do with the nerves inside the anus and, you know, the prostate or whatever, like, but there is a, a different sensation. It is, uh, they're both very intense, but they're just kind of like, I don't know. They activate different other body sensations, you know, like I feel it more kind of like in my face and my torso when it's in my ass. I don't know. It's like being touched in the deepest, darkest part of yourself somehow. Yeah. Anyway, I still am a, a big advocate of anal sex, if you can't tell. Um, so yeah, try it yourself. Yeah. So then as that went on, uh, you know, this has just become kind of my standard go-to of using two toys at once. Um, and to be specific about how I do it, you know, uh, I use the dildo I insert it and thrust it with my right hand because I am right-handed and I hold the wand vibrator with my left. Uh, I generally start by rubbing my clit with the wand, kind of warm up, and then I put the dildo in. And then 
you know, and sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, I don't know if you listened to the last How I Got Off episode where there was a bit of audio porn, but, you know, before I gave up and went to watching porn, um, that's what I was doing was using the two toys. And while it felt great, it just wasn't enough. Like sometimes is, you know, as good as the combination is, as effective as it is, it's not, you know, like it's not a given. It's not, you know, guaranteed that I'm going to get off that way. And even the orgasms that I used to get with the rabbit when it did work and before I had the magic wand, I think the pleasure I used to get from that was definitely more clitorally based. You know, I am one of those unicorn women who can come from intercourse Um, So I do derive a lot of pleasure from the stimulation of the inside of my body. Um, And that it's just so much more satisfying to have an orgasm that uses that stimulation and not just relying on this kind of outer clitoral, very superficial feeling, which is great. But, you know, I'd much rather like it be a combination of the interior stimulation, which is why I like to fuck so much, which is why I like big dicks. I do think a lot of people out there who don't have a preference for big dicks perhaps have not had a big dick and they don't realize the difference. Um, but maybe not. Anyway, so it's bringing us up to present day as I am 39 and approaching 40. Uh, like I said, I still use two toys, but those two toys have changed a bit. On a trip to China, I burnt <laughs> have a history of this. I burnt out my magic wand corded version. Uh, I was very jet lagged and um, I convinced myself because the hotel was so fancy that the electrical outlet may just be um, wired to be US voltage, which it wasn't and it blew up my wand and it was the first night of my trip and it was very, very disappointing. Actually, no, that was a Dubai trip. That was not China. China was a whole other headache because you can't watch porn there unless you have a VPN. And I had not brought any sex toys, so I was extremely frustrated. But anyway, that's another story for another time. Anyway, so my original magic wand had died. So when I replaced it, I got the new version that they have available. They still sell the corded version, but they have a new wireless version, which is great. You can recharge it. It has many more different levels of intensity. It has some like kind of rotation pulsation thing going on with it. Anyway, and the the head of it is made out of a different material that's smoother. It's easier to clean. It's just great. Um, so I love that. <laughs> then my rabbit dildo, I broke that too. Um, and pretty recently, like a couple months ago, I was going at it. Actually, I think this was while recording a session with the Brit. Um, yeah, I broke, (laughs) I broke it in half. It has like a very, it had a very stiff rod, I guess, on the inside. It's like this soft, squishy silicone, but it had, you know, a firm rod on the inside so that it had, you know, good structure to it while you're inserting it. Anyway, I broke that in half uh, in the course of using it. So (laughs) it's not very effective now. So I have thrown that out and it's very sad. RIP my rabbit. Um, so to replace it, I got another vibrating insertable. This is a tiger toy from Fun Factory and it's ridged and it's a good thickness and it's a good length and it's got like a little nub at the end that kind of mimics the function of the ears on the rabbit, but it's not as prominent, not as, uh, not as long. 
And it's a little flexible, so you can position it so that it's supposed to stimulate the G-spot, which I did come around to appreciate the benefit of the vibration. Um, and now now I, I do enjoy the vibration, and I prefer the vibration as to not vibrating. Um, can't wait to start getting some new ones. There's a, a Lilo toy, uh, the Sona, I think it is, which is like this little handheld thing and it has kind of like a little suction cup on one end and it's supposed to mimic oral sex, you know, like the sensation of lips sucking on your clit. I used it on my hand once to test it out at the Museum of Sex because they do sell sex toys in their gift shop. Um, and I remember being like, ooh, that's pretty great. But it is expensive. Um, but as I have recently become a Lilo affiliate, there are some coupons available and specifically for a version of that toy. So take advantage of that. I know I will. Um, but yeah, so that's my journey with masturbation. Are you shocked <laughs> to learn that it took me until I was nearly 30 years old to come from masturbating? Ugh, that still surprises me. Anyway, this is all to say that our journeys don't need to end at any point, And I don't expect that mine will at any time soon. It certainly... <sighs> And it just feels like it's expanding at a very brisk pace, you know, even just in the four months that I've been doing this, this podcast, this project, the things that I've tried and explored and learned about myself, it just makes me realize how much more there is to experience and to learn and how much pleasure is out there. Um, so hopefully this inspired you to try some things. I think it's important for people with vaginas to be open um, and accepting of their own bodies, their own pleasure, and the struggles that come with, you know, something that may be a little bit more complicated to bring to orgasm. You know, it seems pretty easy with a penis, a little bit more complicated with vagina and clitoris, but, you know, the clitoris is purely made for pleasure, so we do have that going for us, which is pretty, pretty great. Anyway, so there you go. Happy last day of masturbation month and rub one out. <laughs> Knock yourself out. I'll talk to you Sunday. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance. <laughs>